Okay, you ready? That's all ever be. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of THC, True Hollywood Crime. I'm your host, Mariah. This is your host, Bailey. It is I, the B. The B is back. B, how did you like that Instagram post of some of our favorite B's looks of the weeks? So I was surprised by how much everyone liked surprise, surprise. I know. That's what I have. That's what I've written down is that I think the clear... Winner, if you guys don't know this, go to THC Podcast on Instagram, and I posted just a few of Bailey's iconic B look of the weeks. Because when we've talked about the past looks, I mean, yes, we recognize the effort that went into that picture, but that's not like one of our no. favorites. And I literally just grabbed a handful from the last Which is great. few months. Yeah. Um, because I don't know if any of them would have even made my personal top five because like the Dahmer wasn't in there the nope. Bundy wasn't in no. there yeah no nah. yeah nope. I just you know I was bored and I needed to do something but anyways everyone they we voted a little bit and the votes came back that surprise 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 from in cold blood which was the clutter family murders yeah is when B did three looks in one week <laughs> and people were very <laughs> impressed by it <laughs> And they weren't even like super detailed looks. It was just. I feel like it was. Well, it was more so that I just got lucky that I had a few staple pieces to like really pull each person off. (laughs) My favorite and no one even mentioned it from that. The few that I pulled was probably Z is for Zodiac. I don't know why that one makes me laugh so hard. Because we were there. And it was so perfect. I think it was really the making of the picture. (laughs) That's so amazing. And um, last week's for, <laughs> what did you do last week? The Black Dahlia. Everyone was so impressed with that picture. And people are like, you need to frame that picture. Oh my God, get that picture printed out. If they could have seen the fact that that picture is on my kitchen floor yeah. with a black lap blanket over my kitchen counter as your black backdrop. Yeah. With your kid in the kitchen yeah like talking to us like okay guys what are you guys doing but it was so perfect the way the lighting hit your face was exactly like hers mm -hmm. it was really on point so anyways for see what fun we always have over at thc podcast on instagram check it out which leads us to if you could take a minute to please give us a five star review or a whatever a thumb a bell a like a subscribe we would really appreciate it Some people that have been talking to me a lot on Instagram or have been leaving really nice messages this past week. We have my underscore uh, her name is Maya. I checked. So it's like Maya. Yeah. Hillary Ann. Oh. Kim Jim 125. C Kiefer 83. All have been really interacting so i want to say thanks guys and Appreciate it. everybody who voted on surprise surprise is the number one bees look of the week for the past few months thanks so much love that it would be super fun if we knew how technology worked and we were more organized to have like a bracket like face off of all your looks and like really <laughs> narrow it down but i don't know how to do that so Anyways, aspirations. what's been going on online? What's up with well, your week, so speaking about what's going on online, last week we very briefly touched about Gabby. Yes. Right. So I cut it out. 
oh of the podcast oh did you listen to last week's episode i did but i don't know that i noticed that you cut it out so last week we did talk um about gabby i can't remember her last name the girl obviously the girl who went missing from the van thing the reason i cut it out well you do your thing first because i don't want to ruin it well mainly it just it reminds me now so now that she's been found it's confirmed she is dead and he is missing he's like on the run he's on the lamb right it's giving me um practice hole vibes mm-hmm. because his best friend like even said oh yeah he'll be fine he's done this in the past he's like practiced in oh. the appellations like oh fantastic he, he knows what's up off the grid so i was like oh very practice hole Yes. Episode. Let's see what episode. And also is it? the way he's been interacting at first, the way he was, was very um, if the worst Father's Day ever, whatever Chris Watts. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Episode fifty-one, and then yeah, the Father's Day. No, I had cut it out because it feels like there's such a frenzy around it right now, and everyone's talking about it. And it's just not sitting right with me that so many indigenous women. Oh, yeah. That's all over TikTok. And nobody talks about it. Over 700 in the state of Wyoming alone over the past decade. That was a really shocking TikTok that I came across where it was someone had pointed out like it's been years since even someone's reported an actual murder because they just go uneven reported these right yeah so we're going to talk about this a lot i think in november because that's um i don't know what they call it nowadays native american heritage month love it um so we'll get into that at some episode i'm half native american so i do take it very seriously and we will be discussing it later but yeah i cut the gabby stuff out because because of missing and murdered indigenous women and also just women of color in general being underreported absolutely and gabby deserves to have people want to solve this case but all the other women also deserve that so i just figured everybody else in the world every podcast every true crime person every tiktoker is talking about it we don't need to talk about it that's fine I'm still going to talk about practice holes. No. <laughs> you can always talk about practice holes. Okay, cool. Uh, do you have anything else? One fun thing. Okay. So. I wonder the, if it's the same thing I have written down. Ooh, the Silence of the Lambs house is up for like Airbnb. I have something very similar to this. Shut up. Okay. Is there anything else about your Silence of the Lambs house? Just, what, is it, what, so what house is it? It's the actual Buffalo Bill torture house. Like with the basement and the sewing. No, but I'm saying it's the house from the movie? Yes. Oh, okay. It's not Gary Heidnick's house. No. Mm-mm. So okay. it's got the um, mannequins and like the sewing room. Well, that's out of control. Yeah. No, no, no. Yes. I thought you meant like they fixed it up and made it into like a bougie Airbnb. Oh, no. It's supposed to resemble like <laughs> what it did in the movie. No, thanks. Yeah. No, I'm like. Good. Yeah. So like I think the shower curtain's like a big picture of Ted Levine's face. <laughs> Unless it comes with the Ted Levine as mm. Captain Stoudemire, I, I'm good. And there's legit um, a Hannibal Lecter like little statue in the in the doorway. Amazing. <laughs> but either way, I think it's super cool. It's cool. I would want to tour it. I don't know if I'd actually want to. S- well, maybe if you were with me and we were drinking. So here. So for a group of four people, and 600 bucks. Oh, that's not bad. Where no, is it? I have no idea. 
Okay. I want to say the East Coast, but I don't know. What's 600 divided by 4, B? <laughs> Two? <laughs> no. <laughs> 150? Sure. Right? Because 150 plus 150 is 3, and then 3 plus 3 is 6. There you go. Ding, ding, Ooh, ding, look ding, at that ding, math, girl. All right. So, yeah. Two. Uh, two. Two. <laughs> but I thought that was very exciting. Wow. Oh, and if anyone's interested, at the time that this article was posted, it had not been booked out for Halloween yet. And you can use code 13 off bills. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. Listen, <laughs> let's run a contest. Who wants to go stay with us at the... At the Buffalo right. Bill House. I think it would be epic. What if we take two two fans with us drinking? We'll fly them out. Let's make for it for one night. Let's make it happen. That'd be crazy. Right? If only we were millionaires. If only this podcast had more than four listeners, right. we would totally do it. <laughs> so on that same note to be, Dree79 on Instagram tagged me in this, and I'd actually kind of already seen this before, but I was so happy that they tagged me in this so I could remember to do it for tonight's podcast the real life conjuring house oh is up for sale oh the one with the Perrin family the first yeah. conjuring movie yeah was based on the Perrin family hauntings we covered that in episode our anniversary episode whichever episode that was, yeah. it was like 48 or something a million years ago anywho yeah it's up for sale incredible yeah how much would you buy that house? I mean, absolutely. It's just, what do we talk about in the episode? The the upkeep, the land, and all the other shit that comes with the house. Oh, right, because it comes on like a pretty big piece mm-hmm. of land. Mm-hmm. Which even now has been split, but still. Those big homes come with <clears throat> big responsibilities and <laughs> big skeletons in those closets. Oh, okay. So the Conjuring House... In Burlville, Rhode Island, is going for $1.2 million. Oh, just a cool. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. It's going for one point two. Did you realize it looked like this? No. Oh, me neither. Not worth $1.2 mil, I can tell you that much. Oh, yeah. It's a 14-room farmhouse. Goddamn. 14 rooms. Rumored to be haunted by the presence of, as we know, Bathsheba Sherman. I can't even keep up with a three-bedroom Oh, God, it's so, like... Outdated. Colonial. Mm-hmm. I would love it if it wasn't for Bathsheba. All right, so you go, guys. If you got 1.2 mil and you're looking to live in Rhode Island, and let us know if you looking for a it. good time. <laughs> Other than that, there's not much I've been up to besides working, although I did start the newest season. Well, I don't know if it's the newest season. The newest season on Hulu of Love Island UK. Oh. And the newer seasons are definitely better than the older seasons. Okay. So I'm already on like episode four. I'm already invested in a couple. So that's pretty exciting for me. I don't that know is. when the fuck Love is Blind comes out. The bread they give us that teaser and then like, they're like just... two months before the show comes out. Uh-huh. But if anyone's a big nerd like me, Great British Bake Off is back on the air, baby. So very exciting times. That is. That's all I have to talk about. Perfect. Great. Thanks for listening, guys. We will <laughs> we'll see you next time. See you next time. <laughs> All right. This is episode 54. And this is on George Young. This could have been our Father's Day episode. <laughs> A.K.A. Boston George. A.K.A. 
El Americano. Oh. Which you know your dad wants to be nicknamed El, El Americano, Americano so, so fucking badly. So bad. Put it on his gravestone. Uh, we are laughing because Boston George reminds us a lot of B's dad. If Big Don. If I had to like describe my dad's life in a movie, it would be this and the movie Big Fish. Those two combined. Yeah. Why Big Fish? Because it's all about the dad and his elaborate stories. Right. And then they all come together at his funeral and those stories get confirmed. Right. It's a, it's going to happen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm waiting for that. Big Don sounds like he's full of shit. But and then not. you meet people that are like, oh, no, we were there. And yeah. that totally happened. <laughs> Although he was not quite smuggling hundreds of millions of oh, dollars no. of cocaine. No, no, no. But he maybe wished he would have. Yeah. That would have been like very exciting. For Probably him. tried to <laughs> <laughs> unsuccessfully. So this one's dedicated to Big Don, yeah. B's dad. We love him. I got stuff from everywhere because... A lot of articles were very, very quick and short on Boston George. So I really tried. I, I watched an interview with him on a YouTube show that I've actually watched quite a bit called Vlad TV. Have okay. you ever heard of it? No. Vlad TV is hosted by this guy, which I've never seen his face because you just hear his voice. He normally interviews like hip hop artists and maybe even like B-list celebrities, lots of like bad baby interviews, mm-hmm. lots of uh, Cardi B before she was famous right. interviews, those type of people. But he also like interviewed Boston George for an hour. Yeah. So I watched that. Very interesting. I read an article in a newspaper called The Patriot Ledger, which is like a local Boston newspaper article from the Boston Globe. Obviously, Wikipedia, an article at PBS.org that was based on some show they had released. And I listened to the first of a four-part run that a podcast called Kingpins does on George Young and the Medellin cartel and all of that. There's four parts. I'm sure they go super deep. I listened to part one. Love it. Great. You ready, B? Heck yeah. Should we... Oh, should we cheers? Go over our rules. Go over our rules real fast. Okay. Okay, here we go. Cheers to George Young, which I kept wanting to say Jung because it starts with a J. Correct. Tonight, we're drinking something disgusting. It's not good. It's called, what is it called? A Greyhound? A Greyhound, which apparently is a mixed drink. It was like Sparkling water and grapefruit. Which is funny because we kind of make this a lot but we usually use either LaCroix or where you barely taste white claws grape. yeah this is very grapefruit forward this is ve- and it's very sweet we don't like very sweet drinks no but, but what's scary is we're gonna go from this to my margaritas baby yeah we are definitely fucked. not opening the second can. oh hell no in fact I'm ready to like switch to <laughs> right now what if we make a margarita and just put like a splash of this in it so that way we're not wasting love it okay please Sh- pause pause <laughs> All right, ignore everything we just said. We're back. We got we're drinking margaritas tonight, guys. <laughs> we definitely can't read cheers. We will no one thousand percent spill. We will a thousand percent crash our whole system because we got some nice full marg glasses. I stole these glasses from my mom when I moved. Mm, beautiful. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Lord. Man, this this episode just has your parents written all oh. over it. 
drink out of your mom's margarita glasses the tequila absolutely all right so uh cheers air cheers everyone drink because we cheers guess what we're not in the pod shed oh drink again we're not in the pod shed glass down (laughs) we are not gonna clink our glasses because we don't want to spill right Mm -hmm. if we reference a past episode which we're, I'm sure you're going to. Absolutely. I we already none. talked about some just now in the opening. It's with true. My practice holes. Yep. And then if we reference Monk, which we kind of did, we already talked about Ted Levine. Oh, absolutely. And if we match, mention a badass big sister, which I don't think we will. But nope. you never know. You never know what could happen in this crazy thing we call THC podcast. Come on this journey with us. Let's go start this journey in Weymouth, Massachusetts. August 6th, 1942, George Young is born. He's coming in strong with uh, big Leo energy. Oh. He's kind of born in just your average working class family. They're not poor, but they're not like well off or super comfortable either. Mm-hmm. When his parents do fight, they're fighting about money and finances. And George watches that. It definitely helps kind of grow his psyche when he's little right that's a huge cause of divorce george starts hustling pretty early on in life he even is a paper boy delivering copies of the patriot ledger which is one of the places i got my news articles from oh fun so he was their local paper boy he gets he's a below average student he gets into like your normal like shitty teenage kid type of trouble. He definitely does not respect authority. You know, just kind of your regular. I mean, you just described me. Yeah, teenage kind of shithead. Yeah. Right? But not like a bad person. Not right. out here doing no, anything you too crazy. Me. Mm-hmm. And he's known for, he's a fun, likable guy he dreams really big of making it out of this small massachusetts town he dreams of adventure and a life just like lived to the fullest right oh yeah he realizes the only way that he can think of out of this (coughs) small town is through college and he does go to a couple different universities he goes back and forth (coughs) between university and work in construction and he just isn't it's not clicking for him it's not getting him where he wants to be so finally he convinces his bff tuna love that so much to put their money together pack up their shit and move to california for a new life they move to manhattan beach california where they find paradise oh my goodness gorgeous girls drugs alcohol freedom like prime time Mm-hmm. And the weed in California is so much better than anything on the East Coast. That was true then. That's still true now. We'll West Coast is the best coast for weed. Period. Period. Anyways, when one of George's old friends from Massachusetts comes out to visit and he is blown away by the quality of weed in California. He has never smoked anything like it before. And when he finds out how fucking cheap it is compared to Massachusetts, he's extra blown away. Basically, this weed, which is way better than the weed he gets in Massachusetts, is 
you can buy it for $60 a kilo in California. Shitty weed is going for 300 a kilo in Massachusetts. That's insane. That is insane. So George does what any young entrepreneur would do. He buys up all of his weed from his local dealer and starts sending it to Massachusetts via one of his girlfriends, who's also a flight attendant. And mm-hmm. she takes the weed with her in suitcases to Massachusetts and then brings back the cash. Yes. This then, was like the time to be an air flight stewardess. Yes. Like yeah, back the, then they were stewardesses. Right. The fucking outfits and the heels and That's the drugs all you care and about. the drinking. All you and care about the, those little hats. Oh, my God. Heels. Oh. This is obviously a huge success. Yeah. They are popping. It gets to the point, though, where George realizes that he doesn't want to rely on this middleman anymore of the local weed dealers. Mm-hmm. He wants to get his shit direct from the source, mm-hmm. which are weed farmers in Mexico. Of course. It's so crazy to think that nowadays it would be like weed farmers in Northern California. It yeah. could have really saved him a lot of hassle. Right. But back then it was Mexico. He grabs a couple friends. They head down to Puerto, Puerto Vallarta. I know. To try to find some pot growers. They're down there for a week. These fucking gringos cannot speak Spanish. They don't know who to talk to. They are asking everybody around town. They're getting stonewalled, basically. Yeah. Nobody's talking. They're sitting there drinking their woes away at a bar, ready to wrap it up and go back home to America when in walks this blonde white girl named Linda. She Ooh. drives up to the bar in her orange Volkswagen bug okay, Linda. that's painted with flowers, goes right up to George and his friends and are basically like, you've asked everybody in town except for the right person to ask, who's basically her. She's like, let me introduce you to my boyfriend. He's like apparently a huge pot farmer. George wants to get the weed into America via plane. Yeah. He wants to fly in like a local plane under, I don't know if they have radar back then, but I'm sure they do, undercover, whatever, and do it that way. It's, I guess, easier, safer, faster. So George takes 36 hours of flying lessons. Oh, rents a small plane, goes down there, picks up his first load of weed from this dude, flies it successfully back over into U.S. airspace and promptly starts to get lost. Can't find his drop off point that he's supposed to land the plane. Finally, as night's falling, finds the drop off point and almost crashes the fucking plane trying to land it. And once this successful transport's done, he realizes he might need to hire a pilot. It might be time to call in backup. Incredible. And he does just that. He hires some pilots. He rents out more planes. (laughs) And uh, we are now really doing the damn thing. He's making about $250,000 a month transporting weed and selling it in the U.S. That's about $1.7 million in today's money. Damn. And overall, his weed business in total will end up bringing him $50 million, which again is $302 million in today's money. Killing it. Mm-hmm. At some point in all of this, he gets popped down in Mazatlan Ooh. in Mexico, where he tries to bribe his way out of it. It doesn't work. They're like, you have to do at least three months and then you can bribe us. And he's like, OK, fine. So he's sitting in there doing his three-month stint when he meets 
a man named Manuel. They immediately hit it off. They become like brothers. Manuel knows all the local growers and farmers. Mm -hmm. And when they get out, they go into business together. And now he has a source, a link to multiple farms. Manuel is where George gets his own like personal. He basically starts to like emulate. Yeah. Manuel, he starts wearing Stetson cowboy hats Mm. and cowboy boots and smoking cigars and carrying pistols and kind of just emulating Manuel's swag. Wow. And here we have it. George is living his dream. He's living his fantasy, transporting this weed to and from Mexico, living his dream life, making millions of dollars doing this shit. Right? Yeah. Also, at this point, he is tired of spending money on renting planes. So now he's also stealing planes. So now not only is he transporting mass amounts of illegal drugs into the U.S., he's doing it on stolen planes, which is crazy. It's brilliant. Everything's going good until 1972 when he is partying in Chicago. He had recently sold some rich kid about 660 pounds of weed And the rich kid gets popped, not for the weed, but because he was selling heroin. And to get time reduced off his sentence, he snitched out George for selling him the weed. So George gets arrested in Chicago for all of this. He makes bail the next day and promptly skips bail. He bail jumps. He disappears. He goes right back to flying fucking planes of weed. He pulls a TB. Yeah, mm, Yeah. let's not disrespect George like that. (laughs) Amen. Okay, George successfully bail jumped. TB ran into the woods for two days. (laughs) How dare I? And couldn't hack it. My apologies. You guys don't know what we're talking about. Go listen to the Ted Bundy episode. My apologies. He is now, however, a fugitive of the law, like from the FBI. Like he's a federal fugitive. This is 1973. He's 31 years old, still smuggling his weed, running from the law. Now, he finds himself (laughs) back in Massachusetts for a business trip and decides he wants to see his parents. But he's not an idiot. He knows that the feds are probably watching his parents' house or at the very least have their phones tapped. How very Bonnie Clyde. Yes. And also, it's not true, but uh, Girl in the Box, Colleen Stan... They didn't really have her parents' phones right. tapped, but remember but, he convinced her. Mm-hmm. But yes, very Bonnie and Clyde. Bonnie and Clyde's a better example. Episode. Uh, look I don't know. Episode. Look it up. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Drop it in the comments. He's so salty today. So he makes a surprise visit to his parents. He doesn't let them know he's coming. He doesn't want to tip anybody off. And although his parents obviously do not agree with how he's living his life, they do welcome in with open arms. Dad opening up a bottle of scotch, sitting there shooting the shit with him. They do keep it real with him and let him know, yeah, the feds have been fucking coming around here, dude. Like, thanks for embarrassing the family, by the way. Yeah. You know, but whatever. They have a nice little visit. He's there for a few hours. When the feds roll up, he tries to run out of the house. He doesn't make it. He finally gets arrested for bail jumping and sentenced to three years in a minimum security prison. In prison, day one, <laughs> he meets his new bunkmate. Uh, he's always making friends. Always. That's why I said he's outgoing. He's friendly. Yeah. He's very smart. 
But like these cellmates who are like lifelong friends. I know. So he meets a man named Carlos Leader. Carlos had immigrated to New York City from Colombia when he was 15 years old after his parents' divorce. He starts off his criminal career by stealing cars and reselling them, as well as selling weed on the side. He kind of has his ear to the ground and knows, obviously, he's from Colombia. Obviously, cocaine is king in Colombia. Yes. They have yet to break into the American market. Yes. And he knows that if there is some way to do it, it's going to blow It would be up. fucking huge. It would be everything. One of the biggest problems as to why they can't get coke into Colombia or into America is they can't figure out how to physically get it there undetected. Yeah. And then he becomes bunkmates with George motherfucking young and georgie boy the expert yeah on getting drugs into the u.s yes from south america they kind of um compare notes they realize they hit it off right away besties yeah instantly they start planning and plotting carlos spends his time learning everything he can from the fellow prisoners about the coke trade about cocaine columbia everything yeah anything he can find out about even how to like launder your money after you've made it right what to do with your money where to put it blah 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 blah. he talks to all the criminals in prison and gets their wealth of knowledge plus like i said he's bunking with george young who already knows how to do this shit and is of course ready to go he's just biding his time at yeah. this point they start planning and in 19 19- 76 they're both released where and i could not find how this happens there's a good possibility it's in episode two (laughs) of that uh kingpins Uh podcast i didn't listen to somehow some way they get introduced to pablo escobar gotcha down in colombia now carlos would go on to become known as one of the founding members of the medellin cartel okay he is eventually like seen as like the godfather of Pablo Escobar, of course, is always going to be the the face of the always. cartel and of cocaine in general and all of that shit. But they Carlos gets a lot of credit for like getting things up and running the way yes. he does. They meet Pablo Escobar. They figure out how to do this shit. George is back to doing what he loves transporting illegal drugs in planes from one country to another. Yeah. He charges Pablo Escobar $10,000 per kilo transported. Amazing. Each transport has anywhere from 300 to 1,000 kilos per trip. Do the math. And they take several trips per week. Yeah. Oh, my God. So he's making millions of dollars tax-free per week. In total, if you total up everything he made off of just cocaine, I don't know what it is in the 70s money, but he's saying that he made over a billion dollars in today's money in cocaine. I've heard terms thrown around like anywhere from 100 to 500 million. Everybody kind of has a different number. It doesn't matter. George in that interview said he made in today's money over a billion dollars. It doesn't matter. It's crazy money. In Just transporting cocaine, not selling it. No, just the transport. Just flying it over. 
It sounds impressive. It is impressive. Real quick, though, something you should know is Pablo Escobar and the Medellin cartel are making $420 million a week. And they're averaging about $22 billion a year year. Mm -hmm. in cocaine. They are responsible for over 80% of the world's cocaine consumption. Mm -hmm. And obviously they were known for being violent and, you know, disposing of people who had ratted on them or portrayed them or whatever. When Vlad TV asked George about this and actually in other interviews I read, and George was ever asked about Pablo's business or Pablo's violence mm-hmm. or killing people or whatever, this motherfucker still is not snitching. Yeah. He will straight up be like, that's it's Pablo's business. Yeah. I can tell you about what I did. Right. He's like, but I don't know anything about what Pablo did when I was Absolutely. there. I saw nothing. I was just flying cocaine back and forth. Correct. And that's why he was able to stay alive that's why he's el americano yeah and they even asked him they're like somebody asked him at one point what like pablo or like the people obviously pablo's not alive anymore but oh is he i don't know oh well anyways people who still have ties to that whole world what they would think about george doing all these interviews and the books and the movie and the blah 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 blah. and he's like well do you think if they weren't happy with anything I was saying, or if I was saying anything I shouldn't be, that I would be here talking to you right now. Right. He's like, obviously they're okay with what I'm saying. He's like, they would have taken me out by now. Dumb, dumb. Exactly. So anyways, I just, that's to be noted about little fun facts about Pablo and how much they, how much he made. George is loyal to the end. He's not snitching. I don't know if loyal is the right word. He's just no dummy. But drugs are bad kids. They are bad and it never ends well. And, um, I don't have the quote written down anywhere, but George does say that in every interview of like, like, do you ever regret anything you did or how was it to like have it all and lose it all or whatever? And he's like, basically, he knew what he was getting into. Yeah. He's like, you don't get into this business thinking that you're just going to like right off into the sunset. Yeah. He's like, you know what the end game is. So it's just how much can you get out of it Until before then. that shit happens? Carlos starts making like all these deals that don't include George Mm. and he starts dealing with people who are basically trying to cut George out of the situation. Of course, George isn't cool with that. No. And they start fighting and this leads eventually to their BFFs breaking up. Mm -hmm. They are no longer associated with each other. However, um, George is still affiliated with Pablo Escobar. They have a personal relationship. He's married into the family, which I didn't look up a lot of stuff about his wife, which I totally should have because it's my favorite character in the movie. Mm. Um, so that's my bad. I dropped the ball there, guys. But just know at this point, he's now married. He has a one-year-old daughter. He still is connected to Pablo Escobar. He's got more money and more cocaine than he can then he knows what to do with. Yeah. He's got so much fucking cash and he's not laundering it properly. He has, it's like piling up everywhere. Like he doesn't know what to do with it. He puts some of it in like offshore accounts, but like you're supposed to launder that money and like wash it. And he's not doing any of that. No. So all this money is stacking up. He's got mountains of cocaine, the wife, the one-year-old daughter, the ties to Pablo Escobar. But what he does not have is any other friends. 
All of his friends are gone. He has no other family. All of his family has cut ties. And he is basically lonelier than ever. Oh, it's lonely at the top. Eventually, he is arrested at home. They bust him with three to four ounces of cocaine, which is not what they they thought they were going to be busting him with like a shit ton. Of course. But he only had a couple ounces on him. Yeah. For him, that's like just a day. (laughs) He makes bail. He skips bail. Shocker. He he fucking jumps bail. And he actually runs into an old pilot friend of his from the 60s. And he convinces the pilot friend to fly him down to Colombia where he just plans on spending the rest of his days. Oh. At this point, the Colombian government is in Pablo's pocket. Yeah. He's friends with the most powerful man in Colombia. How about Easily one of the most powerful men in the world. Somebody that people say at any given point was the richest man to ever live because it was all untraceable, untaxable money, right? So he's like, okay, I'll go down to Colombia and just spend the rest of my life in Colombia. Yeah. No probs. That pilot friend is working for the DEA now and sells George out. Fucker. <laughs> the first chance he gets. George is obviously arrested for real this time. They want George to rat out, of course, everybody. Oh, obviously. He refuses. And That's refu- why he's so important to them is because of like he's their gateway. And he is responsible for bringing in. Yeah. Well, an insane amount of cocaine into the country. <laughs> so he refuses for weeks on end. And then he sees printed in the newspaper that his old bestie, Carlos, has written a letter to Vice President George Bush telling him basically that he will fucking rat on everybody for leniency. Okay. George is like, fuck that guy. So George does not rat on everybody, but he does rat on Carlos. Mm -hmm. He tries to get to him before Carlos can get to him first, right? For that, in 1985, he is sentenced to 15 years, which is reduced down to four years due to his testimony against Carlos. He is eventually released six years after his release in 1995. He's arrested um, with a truck load of pot at his Cape Cod home, where he is then sentenced to 21 years in prison. That gets reduced down a little bit. He's finally released in 2014, where he has a parole violation and goes back to prison for just like a few months, I think. Okay. I don't think for very long. And then his finally released and gets his shit together to stay out. He rents an apartment in Sacramento, California. That's wow. correct. B. He lives in Sacramento for a while. Eventually finds a partner named Rhonda. They move back to Weymouth, Massachusetts, where they live a quiet, sober life. He becomes kind of this, semi-celebrity because of the movie Blow that's released Uh in April 6, 2001, starring Johnny Depp and Penelope Cruz. Um, It wasn't like a huge movie in box offices, but became like a cult classic, like a cult hit. I can't see how it wasn't huge. Right. I just don't think people knew exactly what it was until they watched it later. I guess. Just like Boondock Saints. Or any of those movies were like in the theater, you're like, what is this? I don't want to see that. And then you see it 
You rent it from a blockbuster. I bet mm. they went and saw Black fucking Dahlia. Oh, sorry. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, uh, due to that movie, and there was a book written about him, and just kind of like local celebrity, but nothing too huge. So yeah. They live a nice, quiet life. He tries to um, make amends with his daughter, his now adult daughter. It kind of works until it doesn't anymore, and she just can't forgive him yeah. for the life that he kind of forced her to live and then not being around because of the choices he made and the prison and the yada, yada, yada. So um, this keeps going until George dies from liver and kidney failure on March 5th, 2021, roughly 20 years after the release of Blow. Crazy. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. That's actually why we did this. Yeah. Because I was scrolling through social media and I had not seen in May that George had passed. Right. And then something had popped up about George passing in 2021. And I was like, oh, shit, that's crazy. And it's 20 years after Blow was released. And we fucking love the movie. We loved the movie. <clears throat> I own the movie on DVD. Yeah. I love that movie. The special Blu-ray edition. Ooh. Back when Blu-ray was like a big deal. All right, stop showing off. I know. Bougie bitch. I know, I know. Damn. So that is probably the abbreviated, but story of George Young. That's perfect. A.K.A. Boston George, A.K.A. El Americano. El Americano. Obviously, his uh, southern friends nicknamed him El Americano, but Boston George, just to let you guys know where he got that nickname was when he moved to California. He was from such a small town in Bo um, in Massachusetts that people would ask where he was from. And of course, Californians, we don't fucking know anything outside of California. And so they would ask where he was from. And instead of explaining it to him, he would just say Boston, Boston, Boston. And they were like, oh, they called him Boston George. So he actually got his Boston George nickname from all of his kind of fun beach hippie friends in Manhattan Beach. Yeah. And then I grabbed a quote from that. I think it's from the PBS article I read, but it might be from something else. When asked about his lifestyle at the height of his cocaine business, George had this to say. Everybody at that time, especially women, were in love with cocaine and, of course, in love with the money, the access to automobiles, the clothes, the dinners, the lifestyle, he said. Basically, I was no different than a rock star or a movie star. I was a coke star. Wow. There you go, George. Rest in peace. You're talking to two people who think drugs should be legal. So, you know, we don't think you're anything that bad. No. So RIP to George Young. And now... To the part I'm excited about, because like we just said, I love this movie. That's I can't wait to hear movie. about it. And especially after the shit show we went over last week with the oh world's God. worst. Go, B. <laughs> B hates that movie so fucking much. Uh, worst movie ever. 2001. We were in. We were I've taught you this. Nope. I guess we could have been. Yeah. It depends on what month it came out. Right. Came out in April. I don't know. So then, yeah, we were sophomores. Okay. Yeah. Because we remember, we start our year with that grade. Yeah. So 2001, we were going into our 11th year. Mm hmm But that does mean that we were sophomores at the... Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we were in high school. <laughs> at the beginning of the movie, 
We don't see anything. But we hear like jungle noises. Mm. And for some reason, it reminded me a lot of Jurassic Park. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like like the weird like birds chirping and like bugs in the night. And then, you know, and then the weird yelling in a foreign language. Yeah. You know, very JP. Before Can't Hear Me Knocking by Rolling Stones blares through the opening credits. Like, it comes on so hard and aggressive and... So good. Just boom. And now I haven't... I should say I've seen this movie a million times, but I have not seen this movie in probably at least 10 years. Yeah. So it's kind of fun because even though I know this movie, there's probably a lot I forgot about this movie. Absolutely. As daylight approaches, we are now seeing workers in the fields farming their crops, curing their product. Everything's being packaged, carried by plane to the good old USA. And this is cocaine? We don't know. At this point, we don't know. Oh, it's a mystery. Yeah. Mystery crop. Right. At this point, we're just seeing things happen. Great. Where it's picked up and distributed to none other than George Young, played by Johnny Depp. Height of Johnny Depp hotness. And we might remember Johnny Depp from my birthday episode. That's right. <laughs> episode 27. Yep. One, two, Freddy's coming for you. That's right. And I will say I know that there's like mixed feelings about Johnny Depp. Yeah. There's two very, uh, very different camps. Some people 100% believe Amber, is it Heard? Yeah. His ex-wife, that he's been physical with her before. Some people 100% think that she's lying and trying to set him up. Right. And their sweet angel saint Johnny Depp could and would never. And we are not here to pick sides. I am not here to pick sides. I will say I fall somewhere in the middle yeah. where I feel like they were drinking a lot because it's it's public record that Johnny Depp, at least at one point, had a really heavy drinking problem. And it was a toxic relationship. It was a toxic relationship. His mom had just died. I don't know what happened. I wasn't there. I can see it being a very volatile, yeah, awful place to be. Right. That being said, when we talk about Johnny Depp from here on out, we're not talking as the 36-year-old women who have been seeing that stuff on the news. We are now teenagers talking about a person that we are absolutely in love with obsessed and i've been in love with him since 21 jump street Mm -hmm. and i have pictures of him all over my walls and i own all of his movies even the shitty ones right and we're obsessed oh my gosh obsessed and this is 2001 peacotness because it's still like i think it's pre-jack sparrow days oh yeah probably yeah oh my god so Uh fucking fine Mm -hmm. Anyways, from here, we're going back in time to see George as a child growing up, like you said, in Massachusetts. His father, Fred, is played by Ray Liotta. Great. Amazing job. Killer fucking job. Ray Liotta always is a killer job. And Right. Incredible. We see him working his ass off trying to make ends meet for this family. He's often inviting George with him to go to these jobs to learn like the value of the dollar. Mm -hmm. The struggles with money cause lots of fights between the parents. We often see his mom walking out on the family 
on many occasions. Always, always welcome back with open arms. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, she just needed time away. She's back now. Okay. George, however, not so easy to forgive. Okay. Holds a grudge. (laughs) He is not having it so much. Eventually, the family, I guess, files for bankruptcy. I didn't see anything about that, but I'm obviously a subpar (laughs) researcher. His dad uses this as an opportunity to teach George that there are more important things in life than money. Mm. Like, sure, people put a lot of value in money, but what is money actually worth? Mm -hmm. Okay. George doesn't fall for it. And if anything, becomes more fixated with money from this point out. Right. Right. That's all that matters to him. As an adult, we see him move to Manhattan Beach, Florida with his BFF Tuna. Florida? Or sorry. Sorry, I was like, wait, what? Manhattan Beach, California (laughs) with his BFF Tuna played by Ethan Supley. Great. Incredible. Mm -hmm. Right? The way he's changed his whole physique. Crazy. Wow. Looks like a different person. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't I would even recognize him. Absolutely not. And I've always been a big fan of his. Every movie he's in, he kills it. Okay. So I'm going to need you to take a sip of your drink okay. while I break this down for you and try to make this make sense for our listeners. Oh, Jesus Christ. Because I'm watching this movie at work as I'm listening to our podcast in the car. Okay. So here are the connections that I'm making to last week's episode. Okay. We've got the name George. Yes, I did think about this. Right. George Hodel, I believe. Yeah. Was the physician, the main suspect. suspect. Yep. And they called him Georgie. In the movie. In the movie. Correct. Exactly. Georgie was infatuated with Betty. Not only that, that Elizabeth grew up in Massachusetts. And then she left for California in search of, like, her hopes and dreams. That is very true. I actually did kind of think about that when I was doing the research. So just literally for me to, like, be in the car, because I only listen to our podcast to and from work. Right. Right. So I'm listening to it in the car, and then I go to work, and I do my job. Eh. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And then I start watching the movie, and I'm like, oh. Oh. There you go. Right. So very much episode 53, Black Dahlia vibes. There you go. Anywho, while moving into their apartment, George and Tuna are making friends, just like you said. Super easy. Most of which are airline stewardesses who introduce them to the party scene. Tuna gets his hands on some bammer fucking weed. <laughs> and Do we know it's bammer weed or are they acting like it's hella good? He's acting like it's everything. Yeah. To him, it's the shit. Okay. Right. He brings this back to George. Like, this is it. This is how we're going to make our money. And one girl, Barbara, laughs like, no one's going to pay for that shit. Oh, my God. Like, let me show you what's up. Mm -hmm. She introduces introduces them to none other than entrepreneur Derek for real, a well-known dealer and hair salon owner. Played by... Pee-wee legend Herman? Paul Rubens. That's right. I yes. forgot about it until Fucking just now. Legend. Yes, Pee Wee, come through. Yes. How exciting. Another controversial. <laughs> I don't feel like Pee Wee's controversial. He was just jerking off in a porn theater. Mm-hmm. 
Were they not expecting? We want me to make another one. Were they not expecting people to jerk off in porn theaters? I don't know. The fuck you think? They're they're just there for the cinematic quality. Cool. Yeah, I'm there for the music. <laughs> Obviously, Derek provides the boys with the real goods, and they make a name for themselves selling weed on the beach and start calling themselves the Kings of Manhattan Beach. And George is named Boston George because of his accent. At the beach, Tuna runs into a friend from home named Dooley. He's super impressed. Named who? Dooley. <gasps> really? Yeah. Like my baby brother's yeah. name? Yeah. Aww. His name was Dooley. There's, I've never met another Dooley. Yeah. I mean, in all fairness, my little brother's name is Duel, but we all call him Duel. Right. That's what I'm trying to think. Like, I don't know if I look to see, like... I bet you it's like a D-O-O-L-E-Y situation. Uh-huh. Because my little brother is Duel, as in I challenge you to A. Correct. Yeah. And then we just call him Dooley. Yeah. So oh, I, that's so cute. Mm-hmm. He's super impressed with the product, and he's telling the boys, like, you know this would be huge back home. The college students alone on the East Coast, just because like all the universities are so back to back over there, would be enough to carry all the weight that they'd be willing to push. With the help of our stewardess and now George's girlfriend, Barbara, of course, they realize they got everything they need because no one checks her bags. Of course. Right. Derek can't turn down the offer when he found out the price that George was able to negotiate and they agree to a hundred pounds a week at a 50 50 split. Great. And I, if I do remember correctly, Paul Rubens is incredible in this movie. Oh, phenomenal. Yeah. Great, great acting. Everyone's so good in this movie. So everyone, everyone. Mm -hmm. As time goes on, the demand gets higher and George gets greedier. Yeah. He decides to cut costs by getting the drugs from the source and we're off to Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. Hey! 1969. Woo! Like a bunch of gringos, they wander around asking people, you're, you're going to remember the scene when I start, ¿Dónde está el weed? <laughs> La smoka? Yeah. El pate? <laughs> like, oh, just literally Lanta. wandering the street. That's so funny. And not only that, George is way cooler in the movie than I think the way that you were like describing him. I don't know. I don't. He's like very. I don't know. Just like he's so much like the leader of this pact, and yeah, that's that's how he is in real life. Yeah. Okay. And he's got the long hair. Because mm -hmm. you have to remember... Um, I guess it's like when you talked about the cowboy boots and all that. that which, no, it just means like he was just kind of, you know. Yeah. Just like, this is me now. This is mm -hmm. my new life. I just I'm picture this, him as like the trendsetter. I'm versus, this outlaw now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and a friendly reminder that Johnny met with George quite a bit before doing this movie. Of course he did. Because he went and visited him in prison and would talk for long periods of time. And they actually got together quite a bit after... George was because that's what Johnny does. And I see he similarities. Becomes, he in comes there. friends with people for yeah. life, I guess, like George did. Right? right. But when George was released from prison, they still met up and would like hang out and stuff. Yeah. No. And I see in the appearances. But same thing happened with um, Hunter S. Thompson, mm -hmm. which 
I mean, is one of my favorite movies of all time, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. They stayed friends until Hunter died. Does that count as a joke? Illegal I've, stuff happens. That's, this counts. Cr- I know, that's Nobody's cr- murdered in this that we know of. With the help of a new drug lord friend and an agreement to buy $50,000 worth of drugs... The assistance of a stolen plane. (laughs) George manages to get the product back to the United States just in time for Christmas. Perfect. Since the first drop went so smoothly, George decides to relocate closer to the product. And we see him purchase a home for him and his crew in Acapulco. Beautiful. Eventually, he proposes to Barbara. And over dinner, we see his mom gushing about the wedding ring. Like the engagement. Yeah. yeah just Now his parents have no idea what he does. So <laughs> while that's all the mom can focus on is mm-hmm. the ring, George's dad questions how George can afford a ring like that on a construction worker's salary. Ah, And George claims to have it on, like, a payment plan or layaway or whatever. Mm -hmm. And Ray Liotta's like, you're full of shit. Yep. At this dinner, Barbara suddenly gets a bloody nose. She and George have to go. She's not feeling good. And she asks him, like, is it cool if I kick back and not go on this next trip with you to Chicago? He's like, of course, whatever you need, which is great because he gets fucking busted, like you said, yeah. with the 666 pounds with intention to distribute. And he's charged with two years. Bummer. Barbara doesn't have two years. Oh, shit. How do I? Is this? <clears throat> Hold on. Keep talking. I'm Googling his first wife because I didn't read anything about this. Barbara has cancer. Oh, Babs. So... This changes everything for George. This is the tipping point. This is like where everything really goes crazy for him because this is when he chooses to skip bail to mm-hmm. be with her in the days leading to her death, making him the fugitive. And once she dies, this is like when the whole crew disbands, like everyone kind of parts ways at this point. So after at least a year on the run, he's got no friends, nowhere else to go, and he returns home to his parents' house. So from what I can tell... Oh, well, they never got married, huh? No. Mm -mm. Okay, let me look up something else. No. This was like his first love. Or girlfriend Barbara. So while having a heart-to-heart with his dad, who has nothing but love for his son, we see his mother call police cherry on top as he's being put in the cop card she's like berating him you know what you've done to this family how people look at me because my son's a drug dealer and then she's like yelling at the neighbors like oh fuck you susan because tommy's so great right yes like- <laughs> i love it strong silver linings playbook vibes <clears throat> we see him sentenced to 26 months in federal prison He tries to get his time cut down by teaching and we see him helping other inmates get their general education, right? Their GE. Mm -hmm. He needs to get the respect 
of his students. Yes. So he agrees to split the class time in half. So half of the time they're doing like the high school basics and the yeah. other time they're doing drug basics. And this is true. Which is incredible. George really taught these classes in prison. Real quick, I just looked it up about his air quote first girlfriend, Barbara, and I'm pretty sure she's made up for the movie. Okay. They were basically somebody on Reddit was talking about how she was used. They had to make up this character to one, get you on George's side a little bit, mm-hmm. like make you feel for him and Which get attached to him. Do. And then also she worked as a catalyst because she was the stewardess, right? Who mm-hmm. was like doing the drug smuggling mm-hmm. for him. So they basically were saying that she was used as like a plot tool, but she's not real. Okay. Love it. And if that's incorrect, correct me in the comments. There you go. This is when <clears throat> we are introduced to his cellmate, Diego. And when Diego finds out why George is in prison, they, of course, become best friends. Besties. And he introduces George into the world of cocaine. What a world. What a world. <laughs> George describes his time in Danbury Federal Prison like a college for dealers. You go in with a bachelor's in weed and you leave with a master's in coke. I mean, that is some right? shit. <laughs> Diego is released before George and he sets up shop in Columbia. George breaks his parole immediately, like within hours upon yeah. being released to go to Columbia to meet up with Diego. And since Diego has partnered up with this guy, Cesar Rosa who agrees to let George smuggle in 15 kilos. So we're talking 33 pounds of Coke as a trial run to a trial run (laughs) to, to establish good faith. It is crazy to think the amount of Coke. How much Coke were people doing back then? Girl, these parties where they're passing around like soup bowls. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Crazy. So George smuggles the kilos over the border like it's just an average day of work. Commercial flights, however, are becoming a little too risque as the drops are getting bigger and bigger. Mm -hmm. So at this point, we decide we need to hire a pilot. And mad props to this fucking pilot. He negotiates such like a fucking mean deal. He's like, I want double. He's like, you guys aren't doing any of the work. Yeah, like who's like, really putting none of this is happening without their life me. on the line mm-hmm. at Diego's request in Miami. We see George picking up 50 kilos now, right? One hundred and ten pounds uh-huh. of cocaine from a seedy ass motel room. He receives a very warm welcome of having a gun shoved in his mouth. Mm-hmm. He's pushed against the wall, and then he has the packs of coke thrown at him. Oh! <laughs> uh, George is staying with his parents while on parole, and he gets a call at home from Diego informing him that he's been arrested. And so now George is in a hundred and ten pound cocaine pickle. he's not familiar with selling coke at this point yeah right he can transport it he doesn't know how to sell it so he goes to his roots and he calls Derek 
Three days later in Hollywood, George is with Derek and they're having the product tested. And he's informed that this is the shit. Uncut. And this is the scene where the guy's like, I can't feel my face. Yeah. He's like, I I can touch it. I know what's there, but I can't feel it. So funny. (laughs) They sell out. Well, to be fair. So at this point, Derek's like, again, I don't know what to do with this amount of Coke. Like it might take me months to push this. What does it take? Like a week? 36 hours. Amazing. (laughs) 36 hours. And they have a hundred or no, 1.35 million in profit. Dude, that's the problem with cocaine is you always want more. Always. People will go absolutely nuts. And they did. Three days later, George is back in Miami, dropping off the money, thinking the deal's done. But instead, he's flown to Colombia, where Cesar is introducing him to none other than Pablo Escobar, the boss of all bosses. The boss, the kingpin. George looks like he's going to shit his fucking pants. Nervous. (laughs) He's a nervous Nelly. But he has to take the meeting and he knows it. Pablo is beyond impressed by his performance, the way he handles himself. But he is not impressed by Diego. And he wants to cut Diego out. Mm. But George won't let him. Yeah, because he's loyal. So George and Diego, with the help of middleman Derek, who, this is important for now, George is keeping Derek confidential. Only George knows who Derek is. Yeah. No one else does. Pablo doesn't know. Caesar doesn't know. Diego doesn't know. It's like his little ace. Correct. And they become Pablo's number one smugglers. And cocaine fucking explodes. Yep. On the party scene. And George basically invented the market for it in California. And this is disco era oh insane when you think of people doing cocaine in clubs and parties this is it this is it this is it what we're doing man things are good for our boys diego gets married it's at the wedding that george is introduced to cesar's fiance i think it's i think in the movie they call her like marta it's real because i was just reading about her martha It's, it's spelled like martha yeah but that doesn't mean that that's how it's pronounced right. in Spanish. Anywho's Penelope Cruz. Uh, s- smoking hot, dying piece Penelope Cruz. In- insane. Insanely gorgeous. And it doesn't matter that she's already engaged to Caesar. If George wants something, he's going to get it. Yeah. And she's got no problem with it. So the two of them, knowing that George at this point is kind of protected under Escobar, like being one of his main guys, they go for it and they get married. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Now, real quick, remind me because I got my people mixed up. The real life Carlos is Caesar or the other. What's the other one's name? Diego's the one. Diego's Carlos. Yeah. Okay. And then Caesar is like Diego's. Like how he met Pablo. Correct. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. So Cesar is not like close with Pablo like that too. Pablo can't be like, what the fuck are you doing, George? Like that's you my, would. That's my bestie. You, you can't would just think, fuck his wife. Nope. You would think, especially because 
obviously like Caesar seems to be like Colombian or at least like part yeah. Of but the- then again, I guess George is the the ticket to America he is. where they're making all the money. Penelope Cruz's character is a fucking firecracker. I love her so much. She's such a crazy bitch. She's everything. She's sexy. She's fiery. She's Colombian. She can party with the fucking best of them. And she's such she's a bitch. She's doing coke throughout her whole pregnancy. Yeah. Well, that part's not great. But in general. No, but she's like, I gave up smoking. God damn it, George. Just get like. That's so funny. She's the best. George invites his parents over one day and per usual, all mom cares about is the material shit. Oh my God, look how big the house is. Who plays mom? I don't know. Okay. Dad simply asks, are you happy? Are you happy? None of this really matters. Is this what you really want? Does any of this make you happy? And in this brief moment, George really is happy. Yeah. He's obsessed with his wife. He's on top of the world. He's got everything he's ever wanted. And he's high as fuck. (laughs) Diego's jealous when he finds out that George introduced his wife to Derek. When he's been pressuring George all along to reveal this connection. And this is all boiling up one day as they're walking into a transaction. Oh, shit. And... Anybody knows this is super unprofessional to see your dealers arguing. Yeah. Keep it together. Guys. As you're doing a drop. Yeah. Right. And probably of a lot. Mm-hmm. So this leads to an altercation. George does end up getting shot in the shoulder. Oh, shit. But he's a professional. Yeah. And he finishes the deal. <laughs> Before agreeing to tell Diego about Derek, and he finally introduces the two men. George learns on New Year's Eve, the very reason Diego wouldn't stop pressuring George is ultimately because Diego cuts George out. Right. And goes directly to Derek. When George goes to confront Diego... He is quickly reminded the only reason that he has any of this is because of Diego. Diego basically tells George to fuck himself before having his men beat the shit out of him. And then they send him on his way. George, of course, spins this around, goes home to tell his wife that he quit. And he's choosing her and the baby over his job. Wow, what a man. So, he may have given up the work. Definitely hasn't given up the drugs. He's snorting so much coke (laughs) on his way to the hospital before his daughter's birth that he has a heart attack. Oh, my God. In the delivery room. He describes this moment as simultaneously the best and worst of his life. Yeah. Uh, He cleans up and decides he wants to be the kind of father that his dad was and is to him. Little Christina Sunshine. Yeah, that's her name. Is played by Emma Roberts. Whoa. Of all people. Because it was 100 years ago. She looks nothing like either one of them. 
Right. Just random child they picked. Doesn't look like either of them. It's so weird. It's horrible casting. <laughs> Dang. After five years of laying low, George decides to have some fun for his 38th birthday with old friends like Derek coming to apologize after he also has been cut out by Diego. Mm. What George wasn't prepared for was the FBI and the DEA had been waiting and watching for him to fuck up this whole time. And they raid this party knowing damn well that there would be drugs and big names and everything they need. Okay. They arrest George. He only agrees to speak to them if they release his wife and child from custody. Refusing to go back to prison, he goes to say goodbye to his family. His mom refuses to see him. But his dad, once again, is nothing but understanding and accepting and loving. And they hug. I really don't like his mom in this movie. No. She's, uh-uh. And they wish each other the best. George dodges his court date, becomes a fugitive, and he has no money because everything was seized by the Panama government. Like yep. you said, he put all his ba- all of his eggs in one basket. Poor Christina, who's got to be around nine at this point, is watching as her whole world is falling apart. One night while driving, I'm trying to remember it. So Penelope Cruz is fucked up, uh-huh. like so high, maybe weighs like 80 pounds at yeah. this point. She's snorting coke and getting high and like trying to jump on top of George's lap, like, yeah. why won't you fuck me? Why won't you fuck yeah. me? And so clearly they get pulled over. Amazing. By police. And just like his mom, she's got no problem handing him over mm-hmm. to police, saying to the cops, he's a fugitive, he's a woman beater, he's a drug dealer. Mm. But also, don't fucking touch me! Yeah. You dirty fucking pigs! Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> three years later we see her come to tell george in prison that she's found a new man she's divorcing him and she's taking full custody of their daughter who's also there and she's clearly crushed by everything that's sad upon his release all george wants is a relationship with his daughter so he shows up at her school one day And she will only refer to him as George. Mm -hmm. He slowly works his way back into her life by walking her to and from school every day. And how old is she? Like nine. Nine, ten. Mm -hmm. Uh, Martha, or whatever her name is, won't allow him any more time with her until George coughs up alimony and child support. Yeah. So wanting to make all of Christina's Christina's dreams come true, she wants a vacation to California. But that means George needs money. And so he results to his old ways. And interesting enough, his old friend Dooley for one last job. Dooley, unfortunately, is the one who sets him up. 
in exchange for a pardon to save his own ass. Mm-hmm. And this is what gets George sentenced to 60 years at Otisville Correctional in New York. And fun fact, this is where Mike the Situation Whoa. served his eight months for All tax right. fraud. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like Mike was in prison for way longer than that. At the time, I thought the sentencing was crazy. Yeah, but then it's like eight months goes by in a flash of an eye. And then look at what happened to him. Like he just turned. It was the best thing that ever happened to him. Exactly. Anyways. In the end, George explains it's not the sentence or the betrayal that bothers him. It's that he couldn't keep the promise that he made to his daughter. Oh, yeah. And while in prison, he learns that his father is dying. He does make a request to see him, and that request is, of course, denied by none other than his mother. Oh, this bitch, dude. So, while recording a final message to his dad, he says he now understands what his dad meant all those years back about how money not being real, not having value. Right. And as an old man, we see him, like, out in the gardens, in the prison yard mm-hmm. or whatever. And he's having visions of his grown daughter coming to visit, who's now played by Jamie King, oh, who shit. you mixed up with Joey King, Joey King yeah. in episode 29. Yes. Well, this is Jamie King. <laughs> uh huh. Tall, dark, and faceless. Yes, this is Jamie. And the ending notes tell us of a different story that George is never visited by his daughter mm-hmm. and all the time and that he is eligible for parole or for release in 2015. Cause at this point it was 2001 and you yes. said he was out in 2014. Yeah. He got off a little bit early yeah. for good behavior. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So boom. Amazing movie. Great movie. Insane. Great. How movie. many knives? Five, five out of five, baby. They, they hit it all. They Close maybe, the they story. missed, they missed one arrest. Yeah. And th- there was a few more arrests sprinkled in but there yeah, for but, just like minor shit. That right. And then matter. they threw in a cancer, but still. <laughs> they threw in a cancer. <laughs> All right. Five out of five knives. I have to agree. Incredible movie. It makes it, me want to go watch it again. It does. I'll probably watch it this weekend. Yeah. So this was the look that I was going to go for. Uh-huh. Beautiful. So, right. Um, It's him when he gets arrested the first time. And he's got his little Chicago police number and he's flipping off the camera or whatever. But then I decided, since we were doing it at my place, that I would go a little bit more theatrical. Oh, yes. Have a whole setup. And we're kind of going to go for the end of the movie vibe where he's like sitting at the last deal. Mm-hmm. Right. So he's got Dooley on one side and this other guy and they're all celebrating. Right. A job well done. And George is like, look, guys, I appreciate you making this happen for me on such short notice. And everything went flawlessly. Instead of a 10%, I want to give you all 15%. Great. Right? He's like, I'm going to go to hit, hit the head. I'll be back or whatever. And all the guys are like, oh, fuck. Like, we feel so bad. Like, he's such a good guy. Right. We don't want to set him up. Like, And Dooley's like, well, we already did. Right. So nothing we can do about it, it now. Mm-hmm. Great. So you have on your Hawaiian shirt. Mm-hmm. Are you I'm putting a, on the leather jacket? I am. 
The leather jacket. And the glasses, which she's not wearing in the scene, but still I'm like trying it's to create a vibe, a vibe. It's a vibe. Exactly. And then we have some fake paraphernalia. I do. Not real stuff. It's all never. mint flower. Always. Huh? Yeah, I said never. It's always. Yeah. It's always fake. Yeah. Except for weed, which is legal in California. Thank you very much. Uh, and I did. I considered like keeping my hair kind of greasy because mm-hmm. he's a little greasy in the whole movie. Okay. But I got a little too dirty working in the yard today and I couldn't help but feel myself. No, so. I know. But I feel like the hair is good and it's actually working in our favor because for once your hair is more on the blonde side. It is. Yeah, because he does. He has like a similar kind of shaggy hairstyle. Yeah. So. And he had that until he died. He kept his like kind mm-hmm. of shoulder length hair. Yeah. His whole life. Um, and we have, we made some fake cocaine. Yeah. We have like a fake cocaine brick made of almond flour and some fake lines, some fake weed. <laughs> and you know, it's going to be a great little photo shoot. It will. Very, very exciting. Yeah. You can always see pictures of that on THC podcast on our Instagram. I'm excited. The Instagram's really been popping off lately, you guys. And I really appreciate it. Don't think it goes unnoticed. It goes very noticed. We love it. I love talking to you guys on there. So keep the DMs coming. Keep the comments coming. I'm talking to y'all. I have to actually talk to you, B, about whether or not you want to do it. But we've actually had a few clothing companies reach out to us of whether or not we want to be ambassadors for their clothing line. Wow. So look at us making big moves with our four listeners. That's huge. Yeah. So I don't know if we want to do it, but we'll discuss it. Yeah. It's pretty fun. Um. Oh, so spooky season's coming up. Very excited. I think we're going to do a spooky October. Maybe we do haunted episodes every week for the week of October. Really? Yeah. I think that would be really fun. Wow. I got plenty that I have locked and ready to go. Oh, exciting. So I think our next episode is still in, is it still in September or is the next one no, in October? That's going to be the first on Friday. Oh my God. Friday's the first. Okay, and I don't know if we'll actually do on Halloween weekend because we're very busy Halloween weekend. I wanted to talk to you about that. We'll yeah, figure it out. Um, but either way, I think what we're going to do is every weekend in October, every episode we release is going to be like a spooky episode. Incredible. So that'll be fun. So fun. Yep. So stay tuned for that. It's our favorite time of year. We can't wait to tell you all about our decorations and post pictures of them, figure out what we're going to be. For Halloween, it's going to be great. Yay. It's that happening. Time of year. So stay tuned next week. See what we have cooking up for you guys. And until then, we, we will, will see you next time. Bye, guys. Bye. <gasps>